You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by The Hartford. Hey, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Small Biz Ahead, the small business podcast presented by The Hartford. This is John Adeconis, and I am running solo today from a hosting perspective, but I am joined by some special guests. Today with us, we have Chris and Kevin Carpenter. They are the owners and operators of Prism Specialties of Jacksonville, Daytona Beach, Gamevilles, and Okala. Chris and Kevin, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Now, you guys have an interesting story. So we're here today to talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to work in a family business. And I think when most people think about that, you think about kind of growing up in the business or going to join your parents, but you guys did it a little bit differently. So, Chris, you're the you're the son, you're the young entrepreneur, and and you brought dad in. Yes, exactly. I studied electrical engineering, and uh, because of that, I've always had a passion in electronics, and that's kind of what inspired me to uh, get started in the restoration industry, primarily because of uh, electronics, and uh, that's what I had an interest in. I had a uh, a master's degree in finance as well. I always had an entrepreneurial sort of kick and wanted to, to try something new and do something a little different than maybe just sitting behind a desk and working on Excel sheet. You know, it's true that the spreadsheets can can get you. I'm right there with you. It's funny. So Gene, our, our co-host, he is a CPA by trade, and we definitely sit on other ends of the spectrums there. So yeah. you kind of always felt like you wanted to to own your own business, it sounds like. The dream is to obtain a level of financial independence. And uh, it's just something I wanted to give a try. And, uh, you know, the idea of sort of being my own boss really just appealed to me and something I wanted to do. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about Prism Specialties. Um, you are a restoration recovery company, correct? Yes. Essentially, what we do is after a disaster, so uh, fire, flood, or uh, vandalism, smoke, we come in and we restore all of the specialty stuff inside of a home. Now, specialty, in our case, means electronics, artwork, and textiles. So we'll come to the home and we'll take, for example, your appliances, your electronics, your your Xbox, anything that counts as artwork as well. Um, so anything from fine art all the way down to photos. Uh, we do photo restoration. And for textiles, we'll do anything from clothing, bed sheets, drapes. And we take all of that back to our facility and we restore it. Now, Restoring electronics can mean anything from sort of opening it up to cleaning it out to potentially actually having to fix something, uh, you know, maybe switching out a power supply. Um, artwork is a lot more involved because it depends on what we're dealing with. But we'll do uh, uh, for fine art. We, we've done tears and paintings, reframing, um, color matching. And then, uh, you know, we do uh, digital restoration of photos as well. And uh, textiles, we'll take everything back to our facility, and uh, we have to dry clean stuff, wash, dry, and fold. We do all of that. And, uh, you know, actually, it's quite interesting because I originally got into this business mainly because of electronics, but I kind of find the art piece uh, to be more interesting now because, um, you know, often you'll talk to a homeowner, and the most valuable thing in their home is not their 
fancy Samsung refrigerator with a touchscreen or, or their fancy, uh, you know, laptop or a computer, it's the last photo that they have of their grandmother. And it's, um, it's amazing to be able to, to help the homeowner restore their most valuable possessions and, uh, you know, possibly even the, the last photo that they have of a family member. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess you don't really think about that all the time, like what things really mean a lot to you sometimes. So you're forced to to realize they could be gone. And um, yeah, that must that must be a very rewarding kind of practice to be able to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, OK, so, Kevin, you're Chris's father. How did you two kind of decide to get into this together? When we're looking at businesses, what we wanted is is something that was a, a fit. Um, so Chris is an electrical engineer. I actually, uh, aside from my MBA, my undergraduate degree is in material science and engineering, which uh, really works well with this industry, because at the end of the day, all of this with regard to restoration is uh, material science. Um, it's it's a it's a lot of chemistry and physics, you know, with regard to how to decontaminate the electronics. Kind of adding to what uh, uh, Chris had said, we also do commercial work. So in addition to the residential piece that Chris was talking about, we've we've done everything from a, a Hardee's restaurant to a laundromat to, uh, you know, we've even had uh, calls out to uh, cytology labs and, and uh, ophthalmologists. So a wide range of stuff. Uh, not only residential, also commercial. With regard to some of the other things that we do, I agree with Chris that art is probably the most intriguing. And uh, as I as I get more involved in the business, I'm particularly interested again in the material science piece of that. Um, you know, especially when you start dealing with things like paintings and pigments. And, uh, you know, starting to understand that paintings and pigment, you know, the pigments and paintings, you know, have changed over the years. And uh, by their nature, uh, they, let's say, weather in a certain way. So, um, again, I, I'm, I'm really, really these days more excited about the art piece. Yeah, I can see that being fascinated and it, or fascinating. And it, it is interesting. I, you know, I go back to my college days where I actually went to school for art originally out of high school and we used to have to mix our own glazes in ceramics class and you start to realize like how to make something kind of out of a whole bunch of other things it was the first time i think i ever really found chemistry exciting right and then you kind of see it more as an adult more and more but but you don't often think about it when it becomes the final derivative work that like sits on your shelf or your wall kevin did you have a business of your own before or is this your your first kind of jump into owning your own um your own place yeah, so I'm I'm um, I'm 54. Um, so this is my my first uh, uh, foray into entrepreneurship. I have often thought about owning a business, and and finally now with with Chris doing this, this is uh, helping me to to realize my dream as well because it's something I always wanted to do. I've I've been 30 years in industry after I left university. And um, the past 20 years, I've been with um, a major power generation company working on gas turbines and gas turbine power plants and modernizing gas turbine power plants. It's really nice 
to be able to work with my son, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Chris, you know, so what kind of made you reach out to your dad when you were starting about doing this? So is it the breadth of science and kind of, you know, know how that you guys brought together? Have you guys always been close? Um, like what was kind of like, this is my partner? Well, you know, this is something that we've been talking about for a very, very long time, probably since I've been even in middle school. You know, one thing that <laughs> one thing that my father kind of uh, always talked to me about is, uh, you know, how great it would be to not have to work for the man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's something that really, uh, you know, really appeals to me, especially after I got a taste of, uh, I actually used to work in, in finance. I used to work in Germany, actually. I uh, got my master's degree in finance. I went to the Frankfurt School of Finance and Management. And uh, you know, while I was uh, there, I had this internship at this uh, asset management firm. I guess that was sort of my first foray into having to deal with uh, workplace politics, kind of an office environment. And uh, after that, I kind of made a determination that uh, you know, I'd love to get out of there <laughs> in any way possible. That's really what made me uh, want to kind of talk to my dad more about this idea, look at what we could do. Actually, we first started by, uh, there's this website that we went on called, what, Goldcrest? But anyway, there's this website where it's basically businesses for sale. We just kind of had a look around. And, you know, we looked at some very obscure stuff. We even looked at like a dog grooming business. Eventually, actually, my father found out about uh, ERS and ART at the time it was called Electronics Restoration Services. And that's something that really appealed to me, mainly because of my background in electrical engineering. That's uh, what we went with. Uh, now we're known as PRISM Specialties, so it was a national rebranding. Um, but yeah, that's really kind of how, how I got into it, and how uh, me and my father got involved in this business. That's really interesting, especially kind of, you know, the motivation of independence and kind of how you sourced, you know, your start. Were the former owners or kind of the the business leaders when you two took over um, being kind of both of your first jumps into entrepreneurship? Were they like a coaches to you or were you kind of like when you signed that deal, you were kind of all in and it was kind of it's time to figure it out and, and make it work? So to maybe maybe explain, we're um, we're a new franchise, so we're part of the the Prism Specialty system. Got um, it. Okay. We we own the franchise basically in in North Florida, and we're based out of Jacksonville. So um, the support we have is from the the national headquarters that uh, um, Neil and and the rest of the gang there, and they've been really really supportive you know, helping us uh, uh, to get started. It hasn't been easy. I mean, a startup, when people hear the word startup, they think of, you know, some IT company. Um, but, you know, in our case, we're a startup as well. We have the good fortune of of having uh, bought a franchise. And, and the reason why that's important is because Buying into a franchise is, is not only buying the name, you're buying all the systems along with that and also all of the know-how that comes with it. And particularly in the specialty contents restoration business, a lot of people do not realize, um, again, going back to the physics and chemistry of it, how sophisticated it can really be. 
No, I imagine I imagine there's a lot to learn. So it's great to probably have those resources right at your fingertips. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to work as father and son together. How do you keep your relationship as family, as partners? You know, that must be an interesting dynamic. I feel like most people when I was, you know, in college were trying to get usually as far away as they could, right? To to set kind of a path on their own and and as adults sometimes, you know, still. <laughs> but you guys seem to to make it work. And I'm interested in what advice you might have for other folks who are kind of in those situations. Yeah, sure. So um, basically, we have a very interesting dynamic here. Um, (laughs) My father actually lives uh, overseas right now. So I'm kind of more on the boots on the ground. And uh, really, the way that we uh, kind of coordinate that every every day, uh, well, the day before, I uh, let my father know what my plan is. We talk every single day. We're always in communication. We probably call uh, once or twice a day uh, at a minimum and uh, really just kind of update each other on what's going on. My father handles more of an administrational role right now, and uh, I'm kind of uh, coordinating. I'm actually on a job site right now sitting in a truck uh, while guys are packing stuff in the back of the truck. Just to add, I, I think what works real well is, is first of all, we, we very early on, we came up with a division of responsibility, again, going to going to the engineering background, right? Um, you, you know, that that's kind of the way we've done things. So we've we've divided things up pretty well. Um, and to Chris's point, I do a lot of administrative things. I also do some marketing things, but really uh because of my location overseas i i i keep the marketing to things that can be done remotely so that will be anything from um you know email blasts to uh linkedin posts and and things of that nature um but the day-to-day business is really it it's run all by chris and um i'm here to help i mean one of the things that um yeah, I can't say enough how how lucky I am to 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 work with my son. He's a good kid, and uh, you know, um, yeah, there are times where uh, um, I might get a little bit more stressed, probably more stressed than than Chris does. Chris is a lot more even keel than I am. We make it work, and I think part of the reason, at least from my standpoint, is I'm just incredibly proud of my son. You know, there's not too many 27 year olds that you can throw, you know, you throw into the deep end of the pool like this, you know, with some sharks and throw some blood in the water. And uh, so far he's been swimming. So I'm just incredibly proud of him. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I can imagine that the, the role chartering or kind of areas of responsibility helps kind of keep respectable boundaries. Right, right. That, I mean, that that's important, you know, where where projects go wrong is always at the interfaces, right? So um you know, if you have, you know, if, if you have things pretty clearly defined, who's handling what, then the opportunity for misunderstandings is actually quite small. Now, do you guys come from a big family? I have uh, I have two children. Um, my uh, my daughter, who is is 30, she's an attorney um, in Florida here. Uh, and then, of course, I've got Chris. My background is actually um is is very blue collar. I come originally from the Chicago area. My father was a 
uh, a union boilermaker, local number one. Uh, and my mother was uh, uh, a cashier at Sears, and I was one of four kids. And because I was the last kid, I got the college education. So how does your daughter, um, do you think she's trying to want to be in the business too, or is she happy doing what she's doing as an attorney? Right now, I think she's she's happy doing what she's doing, but she she does help us out from time to time. I will I call her my in-house legal counsel. Yeah, um, about to have you one, know, <laughs> you know, because at least I can I can give her a call and and ask her some questions or send her a document. It costs me nothing, um, and uh, uh, you know I can I can get a response back now. If it's if it's something that requires a lot of legal work, well, then she can't do that because uh, she has uh, certain agreements with her employer. But if that's ever the case, then she will send me to somebody else. I do think, though, that she does have an entrepreneurial uh, streak in her. So let's see. Uh, let's see. She's still young, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if she uh, eventually goes into business for herself. Uh, it would probably be on the legal end. But nonetheless, um, you know, working in your own business is working in your own business, no matter what it is. That is true. And that kind of brings me to my next question. So, you know, Kevin, you um, grew up working kind of for the other people. Chris, you were cautioned to to not work for the man. Um, what was the most exciting thing that you've kind of experienced since, you know, going into business for yourselves? And what was the most surprising? The most exciting thing about this business was really just kind of doing things that I have never imagined doing before, at least years ago, I would have never imagined driving a box truck or, uh, you know, arriving to job sites and uh, coordinating, uh, you know, staff members to help take electronics and appliances out. Um, really, it's kind of pushed me uh, to see what I can do. And, uh, you know, the most surprising thing about this business is some of the stuff that you come across, um, especially on the art side, once again, uh, art counts as anything that's not only fine art, but also collectibles. And sometimes we come across some very interesting collections. Actually, the house that my father and I went to just this last Friday, uh, the family of uh, all of their daughters were going, I guess they attended these pageants and they had all these tiaras and uh, a lot of trophies. And, uh, you know, before we got to house, um, and it had a big collection of model trains. This guy had so many model trains. Um, he even had a, uh, a train that went along the outside perimeter of his fence. And, uh, you know, you see some very interesting stuff that uh, you would really not see anywhere else, maybe, maybe in a museum. Yeah, I would be fascinated by that. So I'm a big fan of, you know, Find, I don't know, like I love auctions and estate sales and just kind of the stories behind people and their things. So, yeah, I think that would be my favorite part of the job is kind of getting to know other people through their their belongings. I just think that's an interesting way to tell a story sometimes. I guess from my standpoint, one of one of the things that um, that I wanted um, out of this other than, you know, some of the freedom uh, of being a, a business owner is is doing something good, right? And doing something tangible. That's good. So, you know, when you when you go into somebody's home, 
after they've had, say, a fire, you have to remember that's probably the the most traumatic experience that they will have in their lives other than a uh, death of a, uh, you know, a close relative. So, you know, it, it's really important to um, understand that, number one. And number two, be empathetic and think about, OK, you know, how, how would I feel if my house had, had you know, burned? And uh, my things were in this shape. And, and what would I be concerned with? Um, generally, if you go into things that way, you find that, um, you know, people are um, people are actually grateful. And, and that's that's really what I find to be most rewarding here is is just doing some good. Awesome. No, and I think that's important advice. You never really know what you know, what's going on that you don't know with people. So kind of always assume good intent and, and know that they probably have more going on behind it, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, think, you know, think about, yeah, people, people, of course, are very emotional, quite understandably. You know, sometimes it, it's it's I see in, in this industry, you know, people go about it. It's kind of, you know, it's a job and they're concerned about the job. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you're dealing with people and some of their most precious possessions that you know, if you, to your point about an estate sale earlier, right, if you, if you put them out at an estate sale, maybe, you know, someone would only be, be willing to pay $3.50 for that item. But to the individuals that you're dealing with, that, that item is priceless because there's memories associated with it. That is very true. So I guess kind of thinking about that, that same thing of things you've learned. If you were giving advice to someone who was thinking about opening their own business, now that you have been in it for a while, you've kind of, you know, been able to grow, evolve a little bit over the past couple of years. What would that piece of advice be to someone who's just thinking that they might want to strike out on their own? What I would tell them is just to go ahead and do it. A lot of people um, often they'll think about doing something, but they'll never end up doing it. And, um, Obviously, that's uh, provided that uh, you have a background and a passion that you're interested in, and that's something that you think you can use and create a business around. Yeah, I guess I guess what I would I would say to that is is you know on the more pragmatic side, you can have never have enough money or um, enough time in terms of uh, how hard you're going to have to work. You know, so preparing for something like this, I guess at the end of the day, you can prepare and prepare and prepare, but understand that you're not perfect and that there's going to be some things that you miss and you're just going to have to and you're good. You're just going to have to figure it out along the way and you're going to have to trust in in yourself and your abilities and and uh, the good Lord to help. No, I think that's good advice. You know, sometimes you got to take the, the biggest risk you can, which is, you know, betting on yourself. Well, guys, this has been a great conversation. It's been, you know, nice getting to know you and a little bit more about your company and your, and your journey. Um, anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I was told that, uh, you know, I would be asked about my perspective as I guess I was called a, a Zoomer. I don't I don't know if I'm lumped into that category. I mean, people younger than me are using words that I have I have no clue what what they <laughs> what they mean, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, I would like to give some advice out to um, some younger people or people my age or younger 
Uh, I actually had three things to say. The first one is uh, I think everybody uh, should be really right after you graduate from high school, you should be developing skills for going to school or doing something. I say that mainly because there are a lot of uh, people my age that are uh, just kind of sitting at home and not doing anything, which is kind of disturbing. Second thing is to enjoy life, uh, socialize, try new things. And then the third thing I'd like to say is take a chance. You know, I'm, I'm 27 years old and, uh, you know, just try something new. I don't, I don't really have, uh, you know, I don't have a, a family yet. Um, I don't have anything to lose. And, uh, really that's, that's what I have to add. Yeah, I guess, I guess the only thing I would say to that is if, if you lose your shirt, I can always buy you a new one. <laughs> right. And there, the, the, there's always a spot on my couch if you need it, but, uh, you know, uh, ho- hopefully we won't get there, you know, in, in terms of what, what, what I would, I would say to, to people is, um, I think, uh, speaking to people that may be confronted with one of these situations with a, a fire or flood or, or, you know, vandalism or whatever. Um, when you seek help, um, you know, really, um, really try to uh, try to get to know who, who your restoration people are. Um, you know, there's uh, there, there's some, there's some good ones out there. There's some not, not so good ones out there. And uh, I think um, really you need to find the ones that have their heart in the right place. I think that's that's awesome advice and both on the practical and the the life you know lesson side. And bonus question, actually thinking about it. So in the vein of restoration, you know, most of our listeners are business owners and, and probably to some degree have some kind of property, whether it's personal or commercial that they they are, you know, thinking about protecting often is there anything that folks don't do but they should that would make you know recovery from an unexpected event easier like is there any like advice you might leave them in terms of like inventorying belongings understanding kind of i guess in your world what what goes into maybe certain materials or or kind of the the method or medium behind like a piece of art like is there something that you would wish like oh i wish people did this because it would let us kind of help them better. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and answer some of that. I mean, certainly um, when you're um, looking at your insurance policies, you want to make sure that uh, uh, your contents are covered um, for their, their true value. So it would make sense to actually have a, a literally a list of every single thing that you own Um if you have fine art that's valuable enough, that should be scheduled on your policy. The other thing you can do is you can you can protect things, right? You know, one good example is when when we went to the ophthalmologist um, where they had a, a a fire. It was very clear that that office had been religious about putting a plastic cover over all of their optical equipment, which saved them a tremendous amount of money in the recovery phase because the soot settled on the covers and not on the optics. And, you know, if you, if you know anything about that optical equipment, it gets, it gets very pricey very quickly, especially, you know, optical lasers and things like that. So, I mean, really the two pieces are make sure you have enough insurance, 
make sure you're you're protecting your most valuable things for yeah for you know the the, the time when maybe you do have a fire or a flood awesome no that's great advice because i think you know how many of us have the the case to something at our house that kind of sits there because you use it enough and you put it down you don't really put it away you know but i think it's it's a good practice to keep in mind and probably would keep all of our homes a little bit cleaner in offices you know if you just made a short five minute video maybe once a year if you just walking through your house and just showing everything that you had that'd be great um also another thing um if you have a fire well <laughs> First, make sure you get out of the house immediately. Make sure everybody else is out of the house. But um, also, if you can close doors behind you, that would go a long way uh, at preventing soot from spreading and uh, getting in other rooms on your items. Also, if you happen to pass uh, your AC while running out of the house, uh, turn it off. And uh, that would help a lot. For water, uh, if you have like a flood, you want to turn up the uh, the AC. Uh, well, you want it to be very cold to prevent a uh, mold from growing on your walls before you know somebody can come in and uh, do a dry out. But that's that's what I have to add. Awesome, those are great tips, and I, honestly, that will probably help you save a lot on your heating and cooling bills too, just by closing doors and turning off your your devices. Great. Well. Chris, Kevin, this has been a great conversation and appreciate you spending the time with us today. Um, listeners out there, thank you. Without you, we would not be here. And we will catch you on the next episode of Small Biz Ahead. In the interim, if you want to check out some blog articles to learn how to manage, grow, and run your business, you can check out sba.thehartford.com. That's sba.thehartford.com. And we will see you next time. Bye.